Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm super pumped to be talking to Dr. Ryan Mitta, um, and we're talking about weight loss and health to kind of keep the theme going for the month of January. And he's going to be sharing 10 things that he did as a musician that helped him lose 140 pounds. Welcome to the Musician's Guide to Being Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise. Every week, we have music industry professionals and top performers share their insights on thriving as a modern musician. Whether you're a recent grad or high-profile artist, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Karen Kubides, CEO of Kubides Artist Services, marketing and management consultant, educator, and professional saxophonist based in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey guys, welcome to episode 11. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm sitting in the office of Dr. Ryan Mitta. He is the director of jazz studies at Vanderbilt University. So welcome, Ryan. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Um, This month is all about health and wellness. So I am just so inspired, obviously, by your musical career, but um, I really wanted to talk to you about your weight loss and your health journey. So before we get into that, um, let's talk about your background, like where you're from and what you do. Uh, I'm originally from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, born and raised. Oh, cool. I did my undergraduate uh, degree at the University of Northern Iowa in music education. And I actually moved to Nashville the first time uh, to do uh, my student teaching just down the road at uh, MLK. I uh, did a master's down at MTSU shortly after that and taught there for a while and went and did a doctorate at the University of Northern Colorado, which has a really excellent jazz program. And then while I was wrapping up my coursework, uh, this position became open at Vanderbilt. And uh, I didn't, actually didn't apply for the job at first and until somebody called and said, hey, you should apply for this job. <laughs> um, and then got the position and moved out here and been growing this uh, jazz program uh, over the past five years. Um, as a saxophonist, I am endorsed by Diodario and Con Selmer. And uh, as a composer and arranger, I've really had uh, a lot of opportunities there, published charts through UNC Jazz Press, and have written for a lot of people, Grammy Award-winning artists such as my colleague Jeff Coffin, um, Victor Wooten, uh, just this couple weeks ago finished up uh, doing a big band chart for Keb Mo, wow. uh, which I'm really excited about. That's amazing. And so that's kind of me from a professional career-wise. And Yeah. But, you know, I have a fiance, a cat, you know, we just bought a house in West Nashville. Congrats. Um, so it's, you know, only a part of who I am. Yeah. yeah. This is so cool. Um, so obviously you're an overachiever. Um, how have you managed to go in all these different directions? Like how did you pursue the education part and then the arranging and then comp- composition and then ended up here at Vanderbilt? Well, I think it all started to me first and foremost, I feel I'm an educator. I think I would have been an educator even if it weren't for music. Um, I, I got into my undergrad and it was a great music education program and people were, would just tell me, like the teachers would tell me, Hey, if you want to be a really good music educator, you need to play your instrument well. And as a saxophonist, you need to play flute and clarinet at least, if not oboe and bassoon. Yeah. It's like, well, I better get in the practice room. Um, and then, Hey, if you want to be a good music educator, you really need to learn how to arrange. Mm-hmm. And which that was a huge like breaking point for me when I was like, wow, this arranging thing is a lot of fun and composing. Um, so those were only results of like my desire to be a really excellent educator. If you would turn back time and 
you know, talk to 18 year old Ryan, he would just say, my life goal is to be the best high school band director in the state of Iowa, which, you know, is still an you know, aspirational goal, but uh, <laughs> it's just life and being able to develop those skills that I thought I was developing to be a music educator. Like I still am a music educator, right. but what I thought uh, envisioned being a high school band director ended up um, putting me here at Vanderbilt and giving me a lot of musical opportunities. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so tell us about Vanderbilt. What's your favorite part about being a part of this faculty? Uh, my colleagues are awesome. Uh, I have excellent colleagues. You know Jeremy Wilson well, and um, Jose Sabaja's great, and basically all my faculty colleagues are really um, engaged and supportive. Um, I'm just coming from my professional conference where I'm talking to friends who are in teaching positions, and um, from what I hear, you know, there's always this divide between jazz and classical and, mm -hmm. you know, other departments, and it's just not what exists here. It's, you know, we're kind of all in this together type of attitude. Um, and we recruit the best students, yeah. like absolutely brilliant students. And I wouldn't have been able to get into Vanderbilt as a student. So, <laughs> you know, uh, really, really smart, bright and motivated students that are a pleasure to work with. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so tell me about your big band. Um, how did that come up, come to be and how does it work? My professional big band? Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, you know, I've just been writing for 15 years now, writing big band charts for about 15 years now. And, um, you know, I, I've always wanted to have my own professional big band. Um, and I've been encouraged by a lot of the musicians here in town to, to do it. So about a year ago, um, it was actually Jeff Coffin who basically said, it's, it's time to do this. Like, <laughs> what are you waiting for? He actually found a studio in town to give us uh, studio time to come in and record. And we recorded four tracks with a wow. 4k video. Um, and that I'm really happy with the results of that so much that we're going back in this next weekend to record another six tracks and we're going to release an album, um, this spring, hopefully. And, you know, it's all going to be live from Nashville because in that recording studio, we recorded everything live and, you know, everyone was in the same room and no, no real punches. And That's awesome. just, we did a couple of takes of each and we picked our favorite takes and it's a lot of fun. So where do you see the big band going? Like, what's your objective? Uh, for, for me, this is my creative outlet uh, as a musician. I really, I really enjoy writing for the students here. I actually get, get to write a lot of big band charts for, the high, for high school students uh, across the United States. And it's a real joy doing that and hearing my music played by uh, those students. Um, but, you know, this is kind of an opportunity for me to write things that I might not think is possible. Yeah. Um, and since it's Nashville, um, we have just so many excellent players and musicians that can play just about anything. So if I want to write it, I just, I go for it and we'll find out in rehearsal tonight what, what works and what doesn't, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, you know, it, it informs my writing in a different way where I, I'm kind of, encouraged to try things that I wouldn't regularly do. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're a risk taker, taker too, because you wrote that piece for, for Jeremy, that loop station. That was a challenge. Um, yeah. Tell us about it. Let's, well, I, we spent a lot of time together 
uh, in Jeremy's office trying to figure out how this all works because, yeah. you know, I when I was at Northern Colorado, I did, was the doctoral fellow in music technology. So, you know, I kind of understood the premise of everything that was going on there. But I was like, okay, how do I write for this? And how do I, you know, env- envision this as a whole musical uh, piece when you're dealing with really one line at a time? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very challenging. I, I want to go back and maybe play with that a little bit more, play with that medium a little bit more. But um, yeah, I, I think Jeremy did an awesome job with it. Yeah, no, it's a great piece. Um, so how do you balance everything? Like between your composition, arranging, your your personal professional big band and then the stuff in school and your teaching and all that. Um, it's a lot and I hope to figure it out someday, <laughs> you know. Um, I think balance is really important. Um, but I also am, am really motivated. I just really love what I do. Mm-hmm. So the idea of doing it from the moment I wake up to late at night is not really a you know, negative prospect to me. I just, I really love it. It's all, all of it's a labor of love, the teaching, the writing, the playing. Yeah. You know, I, I get to wake up and do big band all day. Yeah. Every day. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Um, how does it feel to be a part of, of the scene or maybe tell us about the Nashville scene? Because, you know, the perception is that, you know, stuff on the East coast or the West coast, but like there's a lot happening here. And well, Tennessee. That, that's also part of my goal of this big band project is that, you know, we're, we're serious jazz contenders here. Um, you know, every great city that has to do with jazz has really great big bands and yeah, we have some big bands here. Um, and I want to be a part of that and be a driving force in that and bringing national attention to Nashville, uh, as far as a jazz scene. I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, you know, Oh, Ryan, you need to move to LA, come do your thing. He's like, you know, we, you'll be working in no time. Um, go to New York, but I, I, I love Nashville. I love the musicians here. It's a very collegial environment, um, in the professional studio scene and the musicians that make up this big band, a lot of them are really fantastic studio musicians that are serious jazz players. But at the end of the day, they're all very collegial. They're very supportive. I've had a lot of really great conversations with, uh, some of the more experienced players in town that have just been really encouraging and really supportive of new music um, and kind of that desire to uh, have a professional big band. Um, also the jazz scene in Nashville, as Nashville grows, I think there's a, a greater audience for the jazz music of all kinds. So for example, Rudy's jazz room, the Nashville jazz workshop, it's just all part of the scene. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, I live in, in the Gulch, like right behind yeah. the Rudy's Jazz Room, and it's so cool to see the different kinds of genres and eclectic ensembles and things that happen there. It's it's really awesome to see Nashville kind of embracing that, and the symphony is such a great resource, and just so yeah. much so much stuff going on here. Um, okay, so let's talk about weight loss and mm-hmm. health and wellness and all of that. Um, so can you just walk us through your story and how you yeah. got to where you were and well, where was, you are? Uh, about the second year of my doctorate. And, uh, I was, as that school year was about to start and I was weighing, tipping the scale at 340 pounds. Um, and you know, I was, I was working really hard. I, it's kind of this Midwest mentality that your, your worth is attached to your work. So, you know, wake up, work the 18 hours, go to bed, wake up, rinse and repeat. Um, 
but what I didn't realize throughout that time is how absolutely exhausted I was and how really challenging it was for me to have the energy to do that. Um, it was having some negative, uh, having negative impact on my health. So I decided to really start focusing on my health and well-being, uh, starting with what I ate, some, um, also starting to go to the gym, which was really difficult at that, that weight for me, um, to start with, but now it's become such a habit. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the time, you know, that was the start of my second year of my doctorate and I kind of woke up one day, it's like, well, I need to address this, um, and kind of just sat down and wrote down all, um, my goals that I wanted for like just even a few months. Um, one of them was to lose 50 pounds. Uh, another one was to, um, record, uh, record a record, which was my record Colorado brew. Um, and then I would do my first doctoral recital during that time. Um, so I planned, wrote all the music for coordinated. So Jeff Coffin came out and played on that. And my friend, Tommy G, who is a uh, faculty at UMass Amherst came out and played on that. We wrote all new music, um, did my doctoral recital, uh, recorded a record, and the day that I woke up for the recording session, I had lost my first 50 pounds, and that was from August 15th to November 5th. So it was a very wow. short amount of time, um, and it was exhausting, but it, it was probably the um, most important period of my life that I I can say I've had to date just really focusing on my health and my energy and my well-being. And I try to communicate this to my very motivated students that I have on a consistent basis is the importance of taking time to take care of yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you're just really going to ha have difficulty um, performing. You know, and I don't mean performing from a musical standpoint, but I mean just performing it in life and maintaining your health. Um, when I get to the gym here at Vandy in the morning and I do my workouts, I do my running, do my lifting, that's more powerful than my cup of coffee in the morning. So um, it gives me the energy to do what I do. Yeah. Um, so and also, you know, keeps me honest with what um, what my body needs to, because I plan on doing this forever. Yeah. Like I, you know, I've, I want to be writing, at least writing music, if not also playing music well into my eighties. Um, and for me, it's like, well, this is, this is my life. I said, this is my ultimate labor of love, writing, playing and teaching music. Well, I can't really do that if my health is impaired and I can't, you know, and then I, die at a young age right um so for me that was a big big part of it is like do like if i want to do this if i want to be a musician and actually have an impact on students and people through teaching and music i need to be around to do it for a long time right so so how did you get to that point like how does one get to be because i mean what's your how tall are you six foot tall Okay, so you were way over. Yeah, your I came goal. came from a overweight family. Okay, um, you know, proper nutrition wasn't exactly a priority. Mm -hmm. um, mac and cheese was. <laughs> it's um, delicious. It's delicious. It's, I, you know, it's 
good old fashioned Midwestern casseroles, hot dish. Um, we just just come from a much bigger family. Yeah. Which, you know, my, my parents at this point have addressed some of those health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's great. And it just took me a while to figure out what, how to make that a priority. Yeah. So in your journey, um, did, you find any sort of food addiction or any coping mechanisms through food or anything like I that? I think for me, like when I get stressed, it's, it's definitely, I, I tend to eat more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm a stress eater, but, um, and sometimes like, I think exercise for me has been really beneficial because that's been a diff- different outlet mm-hmm. for, for stress eating. Uh, you know, instead of stress eating, I would go run four miles. Yeah. Um, and then have a kale and banana smoothie, which, Yum. you know, that's, you know, different. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and what I w- would have maybe gone for, um, you know, a few years ago. Sure. But, you know, having, I mean, it, it's the same thing with learning music. You're, you're kind of trying to figure it out on your own for, for a little bit, but also having great teachers around you is really important. Having good mentorship and having good... Um, good community Mm -hmm. is all about being successful in in music and in life so yeah so um now that you're like on the other side and you're like at your goal weight and you have different goals um what were you talking about these 10 things that you did so i really think um there were 10 things i learned as a musician that helped me lose weight and and be healthy so helped me lose that 140 pounds um and this kind of plays on gym and musical technique, mm-hmm. you know? So the fir- uh, first one is a deep focus on technique. So as a musician, as a saxophonist, when I practice my skills, when I practice my jazz vocabulary, when I practice excerpts, um, you know, I'm really focused on my technique and making sure it's really, um, really well in place. The same thing is true for like when I'm in the gym Mm-hmm. It's like if you're doing an exercise, same thing on playing an instrument. If you're doing an exercise in the gym, there's no use doing it if you're not going to do it with appropriate technique. So really learning that technique and focusing on it. Um, I don't get through the gym quickly um, or as quickly as I probably should, mostly because I'm taking things slow and really focusing uh, on technique. And especially since for me as a saxophonist and especially playing a lot of Barry, um kind of the muscle structure of my upper body is really vital to holding that instrument. Right. Um, so I'm really focusing on developing the muscles, especially in my, in my back in my core and my chest to make sure that first of all, I'm not going to hurt anything. Um, and second of all, that things are going to develop well so I can hold the horn for yeah, hours. That's so good. Working with a metronome. If, uh, you ask any of my students, I'm kind of, uh, meticulous when it comes to time in many different ways. Um, so especially to make sure I get through the gym in a timely manner and respect my time so I can get writing done, so I can get, go practice, so I can do course prep. Um, I actually time my resting periods. I time some of the exercises even to make sure I can get, get what I need done there. So it's, and not take up an entire day. Yeah. I found that over, especially over summer break, I can spend a lot of time in, um, in the gym and it'll, you know, a couple hours will just slip away. Yeah. Uh, so having a metronome to, to do that would be great. Um, setting a routine. 
any 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 successful musician that you know has a routine when it comes to the instrument i also have a routine when it comes to um you know my exercise plan but also my food plan um my fiance makes fun of me for eating the same stuff over and over and over again but it's like this is the stuff that works because you know it's my routine and this is what makes me feel good um maintaining a practice and an exercise log so when I'm practicing things, um, I'm kind of, especially, you know, things you come back to over and over again, uh-huh. scales, especially, um, different patterns. I, uh, write down on a Google doc, Hey, this is what I practiced today. This is the tempos. I, uh, I was at, these are the keys I went through. Um, same thing for my exercise log. I wrote down, write down what I did that day. Um, what weights I lifted, how long I was, you know, running for or how many calories I burned. Uh, just so I know, you know, I can keep track, but it also helps you go in with a game plan. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, I got my saxophone out today. I spent like a half hour trying to find a good read. Um, (laughs) because the, um, the weather, uh, changed a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, I, I could pull out what my game plan is like, Oh, I need to practice this today. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really need to focus on this, you know, do my long tones, you know, do my overtones. So same thing with the gym routine this morning, I go in and I said, Oh, what am I doing today? And it's right there in rough and rough estimate of what I should be doing. That's so good. Um, you know, the importance of having a great teacher, um, you know, same Thing. Like if I wanted to study trombone in a meaningful way, I would go take lessons with Jeremy Wilson. Mm-hmm. If I want to learn how uh, to exercise in a better manner, I would have a personal trainer. Or if I wanted to eat better, I would see a dietitian. Mm-hmm. You know, f- seeking out experts that uh, can help you along, along the way. So how did you come up with all of this? Um, a lot of reflection. Yeah. A lot of self-reflection. Um, I mean, for me, my time exercising is my time. Yeah. You know, that's my personal time. It's kind of my, uh, it's kind of the one point in the day where I try to let all the other distractions completely go away Mm -hmm. and I can really do a lot of reflection. Um, and yeah, even, even when my colleagues and students see me in the gym, I think they know well enough not to. Come talk to me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I've started uh, taking up like some distance running as well. So that's kind of a a similar thing. It's like, well, you know, what am I going to do for the next eight miles? And, you know, that's, it's a good, good time. It's my, my form of meditation, if you will. It's like just really clearing my mind and resetting myself. That's amazing. Um, Sorry, you're still, you have more on your list. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, really important. Uh, patience, 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 patience. Um, it took me six years to lose 140 pounds. Um, you know, there are going to be really good days, but there's also going to be not so good days. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just came back from my professional conference, uh, for the past, uh, five days and I think I had a strict diet of pizza. (laughs) So, uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to my routine. Um, but you know, it, it, it's, it's not kind of this linear thing that everyone thinks it is. Like if you're looking to lose weight, if you're looking to become a great musician, it's not a linear path. Um, 
so there are going to be good days. There's, there are going to be bad days. Um, and just b- being patient with yourself and realizing that you're human, mm-hmm. um, that it's okay to have a slice of pizza from time to time. And that's what I'm telling myself today. <laughs> um, but, and then realizing when, when you have to refocus and reset. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I'm an impatient person. I, I, I'm not afraid to admit that I, I can be very impatient with myself. Mm-hmm. especially. Um, but really kind of acknowledging that you have to be patient and take it, take things one day at a time, one step at a time. And yeah. yeah. That's so good. Um, building a large and diverse repertoire is really important, uh, both musically and in fitness. Um, mostly because if you don't, if you play the same tunes the, the entire time, or if you do the same exercises all the time, you're going to get bored. Mm-hmm. It's not very exciting. Um, so having a diverse repertoire to pull from is, uh, really essential and, you know, helps keep interest and also helps train your, your body or your instrument in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really essential and also understanding that playing is its own practice. So, um, for example, I, I like to practice, but m- when I go out and I play with other people that in itself is its own practice. Yeah. Um, that in terms of exercising is like, if I go play a game of racquetball or basketball, that is its own practice, if you will, it's its own exercise. And it helps with that diversity of repertoire, uh, that I was just mentioning, um, helps keep you from getting bored. And it also has a little social interaction to it. Yeah. Yeah. So the last two things uh, from my 10 things I learned as a musician that helped me lose weight uh, is improvisation. And especially for us as musicians and, you know, I think anymore, a lot of professional people, we travel a lot for work. Um, So sometimes I'll get to a hotel and there will be a very small gym or there'll be no gym at all. Mm -hmm. So being able to improvise based on what you have, or let's say worst case scenario, um, you have a really well-equipped gym and everyone started their new year's resolutions. Um, and everything's, <laughs> everything you want is busy. Right. Um, so building upon that diverse repertoire that you have, uh, of different exercises and being able to improvise something that would be meaningful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least is understanding people have different goals, mm. um, and really focusing on your own. Um, so like, That's so good. Yeah. It, because I think especially anymore, and I, I, I'm a firm believer in this, is that like any body type, any body shape is beautiful as long as it's the one you want. Yeah. You know, if that's what you, if that's what you want, then let it be. Um, and so for me, my initial goal was to lose a lot of weight. Uh, right now I'm kind of refocusing on, uh, building muscle. Um, I, I don't want to get like too big. I'm not going to I'm not going to be one of those people that are like deadlifting thousands of pounds or anything like that. <laughs> That's not the goal. Um, really my goal at the end of the day is to do as little cardio as possible. Um, I love that. But, uh, you know, just understanding that people have different goals and, you know, same thing as musicians. Like I have students who come in and they want to be, you know, excellent, uh, you know, jazz players. Cool. The next student comes in and says, I want to be a really great woodwind doubler. Mm-hmm. You know, and understanding how those goals are different and respecting those goals 
and, you know, respecting uh, how people go about achieving those goals. That's so good. Um, so I have a question because um, you mentioned, you know, it being really hard for you to go to the gym when you were at your heaviest. Um, how did you like kind of coach yourself through that? Because, you know, you don't necessarily have to be at your heaviest to like dread going to the gym. Um, yeah, I could totally get that. I had a really great personal trainer starting out. So I, for my first, I want to say it took me about a month before like I went to the gym regularly and I said, cool, I'm ready for a personal trainer. Yeah. And I have, you know, had a really great personal trainer named JT and she's awesome. And she uh, was really patient with me and really broke things down in a meaningful way. Um, and that's the thing when you have someone who's an expert at what they do, um, come to you and you realize it's like, Oh, well you're a beginner. Mm -hmm. Like at that point I was essentially a beginner and able to piece things apart, understand what I'm capable of doing and not capable of doing. Um, and actually giving me tools versus just saying, do this, do this, do this. Okay, cool. Your session's done. It's like, Hey, we're doing this because of X, Y, and Z. We're mm -hmm. doing this to focus on this. Someone who can really piece it apart and that whole, like, you give a man a fish, eats for a day, teach a man to fish. And she was really great with that. Yeah. Um, and I think the same thing is like if you went to a trumpet teacher and you were a beginning trumpet player and if the trumpet teacher said, okay, cool, let's work on, you know, our high Ds for, for the next 30 minutes. Right. That's not going to work <laughs> out. Um, so that's why importance having a really good teacher um, is vital. And I mean, she, we're still best friends. Like uh, it was so such a meaningful point in my life and uh, in my journey that um, very impactful. And we, we built a very strong personal relationship from that. Yeah. So how did you manage to have that stamina for the six years? Because you lost the, you lost your first 50 pounds really fast. Yeah. How did you develop that mental toughness to keep, you know, the weight off as well and lose it? Um, I don't know. Oh, accountability. Like, knowing that it, it t took a lot of work to get there in the first place. Um, but also, you know, I came in, I took this position in 2014, and I was writing my dissertation at the same time. So I think I ended up putting on, like, uh, like f putting 15 to 20 pounds back on from wherever I was at that point. I don't even remember. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, submitted my dissertation. Let's get back to work. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, it's a lifelong path. You know, it's not, Hey, I lost this weight. It's going to, I'm going to keep it off. Right. You know, which in itself takes, takes a lot of work, but understanding that this is a lifelong journey that, that you're on, not, and not just, a you know, be like, Oh, well I was a really great, you know, I'll, I'll pick on trumpet players more. Um, <laughs> I was a really great trumpet player, you know, 10 years ago. And then that's it, you know? Right. And so then I just put the trumpet in the case and I don't need to practice it. Um, it's a lifelong journey and the great trumpet players that I know, they're the ones who are like, they have the two hour to four hour warm up routine mm -hmm. and they're on it every day. So, because they know it's a lifelong, um, journey. Yeah. 
So what have been some of the habits and, and like lifestyle changes that you've made? Like, for example, for me, once I discovered, like I was a Diet Coke addict, mm-hmm. <laughs> once I discovered it had like aspartame and yeah. could give you like MS, I was like, never again. Um, but I still crave it. And I have those like, you know, almost like crack addict moments where I like my mouth is foaming and I'm like, I need a Diet Coke. I just need a LaCroix. Um, but it's just become like a completely different way of thinking instead of like, I can't have this is I don't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, what kind of like light bulb moments have you had and what habits have you changed? I, I had a very similar soda thing like you know i my apartment uh in during the doctor was right across from a 7-eleven and i get the giant big gulp and the slurpees yeah so it yeah cutting that out was huge getting my sleep together was really important because i thought i was like getting ahead of the game by like okay well i only got four hours of sleep because so i could wake up work as much as possible Mm -hmm. but then realizing that maybe it's there's a reason why doctors recommend you get eight hours of sleep <laughs> and so for me that that's been huge is uh, making sure that i'm sleeping enough um and helps me also in my workouts in my clarity of mind yeah um and in my playing and i have like the appropriate amount of energy to last through the day most mm-hmm. days um <laughs> so sleep getting my sleep together has been really important as a musician and especially a jazz musician um that's is a really difficult task because mm-hmm. you have friends who call you and they say, Hey, you know, do you want to take this bus gig? Do you want to take the, you know, you want to play the late night set down at Rudy's? It's like, yeah, I would love to, but I also have a faculty, like I have a meeting at 8am the next morning. So there's, you know, that doesn't right. exactly add up. <laughs> um, making sure that, you know, rest is important. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm curious about your recovery and, you know, how you do that both, you know, physically with your um, exercise and whatnot, but also like musically, like how do you be able, how are you able to perform at your highest, um, especially with all the things that you have going on? Um, when I have that answer, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, I think rest is really important. Uh, recovery as far as a musician, it's for me, my my ears are really important. Mm-hmm. Um but also it's i work with such a wide variety of level of musicians so like i'll go and work with high school students for for a day Uh and that's a different set of ears and skills and you know i'll work with my college students and then i'll work with a pro ensemble or work in the studio with musicians and they all kind of demand this different level of uh expectations Uh and um and sometimes i was getting really concerned this last fall i was like wow i don't even know like if my ears can handle being in a professional environment anymore, just because I work with so many high school groups and uh, college students. Um, and then I, you know, listen to the record recordings of my professional big band. I'm like, no, I, that, <laughs> I'm fine. That, that, that works. That's fine. So um, for me having some time, I love having silence that I think that's really important. We're yeah. at, at the end of the day is appreciating quiet for a little bit. Um, and makes you kind of want to invite the sound again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I go back and forth through, like, I make sure to take a break from from playing um, every once in a while um, just to kind of reset and pri- reprioritize what I want out, out of the instrument. Mm-hmm. As a saxophone player and a reed player, I think we're allowed to do that more than brass players because <laughs> yeah. it's such a physical, you know, the physical demands of the instrument. So... Um, I, I try when I am on a vacation that is family oriented, I try not to take a saxophone with me. 
Okay. Um, and, and be really focused on where I am and who I'm with and, yeah. and not focused on my profession. Right. So, and you know, just based on schedule, those, those vacations are usually rather short, but, um, it's always a nice thing to reset, reprioritize because we can get really obsessive as musicians. It's like, Oh, you know, my Altissimo G is still really sharp. I really want to work on that. Or do I really want to value my family and the people I'm around? Yeah. Um, so it's nice to have reset and have that perspective. I love that. Um, okay. So last couple of questions. Um, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self something, what would it be? Like how young are we talking? Mm-hmm. Um, like high school. I, I think for me, there, there would just be no way to tell my younger self because he was so stubborn. Um, <laughs> what, I, I wish I, and I think so much of us as adults, uh, wish we knew then what we know now. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I would, I would try to explain to him the, how important it is from a professional standpoint that health is, that your health is. Yeah. Um, and looking back, maybe not all the tools, um, that I needed to be successful, like from a health standpoint were there, mm-hmm. but they were accessible. Yeah. Like they weren't like presented to me, but they were, they were around. And if I really thought about it, um, I, and if I was conscientious about it, I, I w- could have been more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there's, he was such a stubborn jerk. Um, <laughs> there, I don't, there would just be no way, no way to, um, communicate with him in a meaningful way. Yeah. No, I, I like that though. Cause I feel like nowadays, especially as well, like there's just no excuse to not know something. Yeah. Like we have so many resources, so much stuff. Like yeah. we should find the answers for sure. Yeah. It's just a Google search away. Yeah. Um, okay. So my last question, um, what do you want your legacy to be? I, I don't know. I was thinking about that a lot this last spring. A great mentor of mine retired, uh, a gentleman named Bob Washett, incredible uh, jazz composer, arranger, and more of all educator. Like he influenced decades of jazz musicians and music educators. Um, so I don't know, like to me, you know, my students are kind of my number one at the, at this point. Um, going out and seeing them succeed has been really wonderful. Uh, a student we've talked about before, David Rogers, former student of mine, Jovan, who is a saxophonist here in town. Um, I think seeing them go out, out and succeed and inspire others through their music is really important to me. Yeah. Um, I think as a writer, we all want to dream that our music is going to be played for an extended period of time. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so between writing and teaching and I think really my ability to teach and have those people go on and inspire other musicians, I, I think is going to hopefully end up being my, my real legacy. Um, because that's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Because if I can inspire and motivate one student who's going to go on and even inspire another, just one other person, that's going to be the, you know, that flame that keeps on getting passed on, which it's not like it's my own flame. It's a flame that got passed on to me from somebody else. Yeah. But like, keep that, keep the fire burning. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, okay. So where can people find you? Well, you're sitting in my office. Um, uh, no, Um I have an Instagram, Insta underscore Mitta. Um, 
Ryan Mitta Music on Facebook. I love that. Yeah. It's an underscore. That's good. Well, so, you know, it's usually hard to pronounce my last name. Uh, a lot of people tend to struggle with it. So Instamita to me makes a lot of sense. That's because it so kinda, good. It's an invitation to pronounce my last name Amazing. correctly. Okay. So smart. Yeah. Awesome. So you're on Facebook, Instagram, and your website. Yeah. Awesome. I, I, I tried Twitter. It's, I, I just, I can't. Who's I can't, even on I Twitter? I can't tweet. I can't. <laughs> My, I, I, I talk too much to, uh, to tweet. That's the 140 characters are limiting. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. Um, I will have your 10 things that you need to lose weight on the show notes Sweet. or 10 things. What is it called? 10 things, 10 things that I learned as a musician that helped me lose 140 pounds. Yeah. That's so good. Amazing. Okay. So that will be on the show notes. Sweet. Sweet.